Thanks for joining us and supporting Vikido Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vikidofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today we talk about research and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 46. This is National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. Research has proven time and time again that regular physical activity is good for everyone's health. So let's get out there and move. Supervised exercise training can be beneficial to chronic kidney disease patients with comorbidities. Is telemedicine the new wave of health care? Why is black women maternity mortality an issue? Is it clinical instinct or racism? All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia of D Banks Bright. Vicki, it's been a minute. It has been You've a minute. You've been around the world and back. Oh, uh, at least two or three continents. At least. At least. Yes. Welcome home. But I'm back. You're back. Yes, Welcome I am. home. Mm-hmm. Great. And I lost some water weight. That's great. Because <laughs> I got dehydrated. I bet. With all that sitting in the plane. That's why I was yeah. making sure, though, that I didn't actually get dehydrated. I was drinking a lot of yeah. water. How long was the plane ride? Well, it was broken up. It oh, was okay. at least 11 mm-hmm. and then another 11. Whoa. Yeah. You and went then, to Frankfurt. Didn't you go to Frankfurt? No, that's the oh. whole, that's that whole episode. Cause I Did you miss was, your flight? It was canceled. I thought so. Cause you, you were supposed to go to Chicago yes. and I was thinking about you cause the weather was really bad that day. They canceled that thing. Oh, they canceled did you it. get out that day or did you no. have to wait another day? We, we stayed and hung out and then Sunday we got rerouted okay. and this time we went to Washington. Uh-huh. Dulles. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And then we flew from Dulles to Johannesburg, but we stopped in Senegal. Okay. Then from Senegal to Johannesburg, then Johannesburg ah. to Cape Town. So we didn't get to Cape Town instead of Monday that day. We didn't get there until Monday that night. Wow. Mm. So it was a long yeah. trip. It was a long trip. Yeah, I thought about you guys. I didn't mm-hmm. want to text or anything because I knew you were like really busy. You certainly didn't want to be reminded of the bad weather, but you were going to be flying to Chicago and mm-hmm. those, that, that was bad weather. Mm-hmm. Dang. And then T was, he was already in the Philippines. Uh-huh. So he waited. He said, well, let me wait till you, you, you all actually get there yeah. before I so come. So he stayed in the Philippines. So he stayed in the Philippines. And okay. then 
he came yeah. that um I think it was that Wednesday or uh-huh. something. He oh, okay. he met us. And when did you all leave? We didn't home. leave until Sunday, okay. Sunday evening. So it's better coming back. Well, yes and no, mm-hmm. but we went from from Cape Town to Johannesburg, Johannesburg to London. Ah, okay. And then from London to Chicago. But all of the flights were from Johannesburg to London. It was still, you know, you're doing 11. And yeah. then from, Did you get your luggage? Was any of your luggage lost? Luggage was fine. Wonderful. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's crazy. That's the worst thing. That's when we went, when Matt and I went to Australia and we had that same similar kind of thing. My luggage didn't get there for two or three days. Wow. And you don't, you know, when you're on that kind of trip and it's not that long, you don't have that many days for your luggage not to make it. Big time. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. That's great. But we were glad to get Sounds back. Like you all had a good time. Because sitting on the plane that yeah, long. That's a long, and that's a long mm, haul. That's a long haul. That's a long haul. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But uh-huh. it was it was interesting though because we went the South African Airways oh. and honey, our sisters were representing That's great. the flight attendants oh, and nice. this and that, and Good. we were seeing all these wonderful hairstyles uh-huh. and stuff. Uh-huh. It was just interesting That's when you go good. to the to the That's other side of the, yeah. the world. Yeah, because everybody looks like you. Everybody looks like me. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah, everybody looks like you. Mm. And they mm-hmm. be representing. You yeah. be like, dang. Yeah. Go ahead, sis. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Go ahead, right. sis and so the brothers. Hopefully one day I'll make it. So, yeah, it's it's that's very good. it's very interesting. Mm. Yes, it is. Mm. Great. Mm-hmm. We'll talk more about that. Yes. Hmm. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new, hot topics number 46. Now, this is the month of May and it is National Physical Fitness and Sports Month. And research has proven that over and over again, regular physical activity is good for everyone's health. And people of all ages and body types can and should be physically active. There are so many health benefits that can be received with you living an active life. And so the National Physical Fitness and Sports Month is a great time to spread the word about the benefits of getting active. Here are a few benefits of physical activity. For children and adults, it improves muscular fitness, bone health, and heart health. For adults, physical activity lowers the risk of heart disease, type 2 diabetes, and some other types of cancer, most especially colorectal cancer. For older adults, physical activity lowers the risk of falls and improves cognitive functioning, like learning and judgment skills. And so we encourage communities, health professionals, and families to work together to create opportunities for all of us to get more physically active. And so the National Physical Fitness and Sports Month, it gives us the opportunity to use this month, and not just this month, to get in gear to be doing it all the time. But this month, we're raising awareness about the benefits of physical activity, and we want folks to spread the word about fun ways to get moving. Now, here's some ideas to get moving. Encourage families. We want to encourage families to make small changes like taking a walk after dinner or going for a bike ride. Also, we want to motivate teachers and administrators to make physical activity a part of every student's day. And we want to identify youth leaders in the community 
who can talk to their peers about the importance of being active. To find out more information about health awareness, the National Physical Fitness and Sports Month, and to download all the information and use some of their toolkits, go to www.healthfinder.gov. Look at their May toolkit. What do you think, D, about all of that? Sounds good. That's it does great. sound good. Mm-hmm. Getting physically mm-hmm. active. This well, is you the know, time. more information is coming out on that. I mean, because we have truly become a sedentary society with big time. All the com- I mean, there's a lot that computers have done really well and Internet and all that. But we've become a more sedentary society where we don't want to, especially in the United States, we don't want to do anything remote control has made us lazy. I know. We can't even get up to we the can't TV. Even get up to the <laughs> If somebody asked us to get up and turn a channel, we would be incensed. What? Not, what what's going on? What? No. We have our 55 true. remotes. That Mm-mm. is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. So, yeah, mm-hmm. we are becoming more of a sedentary society. So this is definitely a month for us to really think about um, spreading the word, for us getting out there and being, yeah, physically active. Right. That's it. Now we want to make sure all of you guys go to our resources page, www.vikidofitness.com forward slash resources, and check out our list of tools and services that you can use to make easy and accessible ways to make your healthy living journey attainable. Mm-hmm. Now make sure you check out our latest edition, and that's Reebok. Reebok is a place, we love Reebok because... Years ago, when it was the 80s craze, I got my first pair of uh, Reebok um, shoes. Oh, wow. For aerobics. Because remember back then, that's when Jane Fonda was out. And, and, you know, who who else? Who else was out? They were doing a lot of aerobic stuff. I used to like Giard, you know, the guy, the French guy that used to come out. Remember him? And then Denise Austin. Denise Austin. I used to watch her. What about the one with the funny hair? Oh, uh, Richard. Richard, um, Can't think of his name, but yeah. Yeah, Simmons. Richard Simmons. Yes, Richard Simmons. Remember? Mm-hmm. So a lot of these women had a lot of, I mean, a lot of these people had these exercise and fitness. Yeah. Uh, and they Jane were, Fonda did it for pregnant women, for all kinds of different Yes, and they were focusing on, women. you know, doing aerobics yeah. and stuff. And then that's yeah. when the king and the, the Dr. Cooper came out with his whole research. You know, we mm-hmm. call him the father of aerobics, right. Dr. Cooper, and he has, he, they still have his um, clinic in Dallas, Texas. It's still going on. Yeah, it's the Cooper Institute. All that to say that is back then I got me a pair of the aerobic shoes and they were white and it was called Freestyle. Oh, wow. And, and they were Reeboks. Yes. Okay. And that's how I got into the Reeboks. Okay. And so, yeah, so I was very glad to add them to our resources page because mm-hmm. now when you look at that stuff, they got all kinds of stuff. I love Reebok. I buy their, mm-hmm. their exercise pants and, yes. you know, stuff like that. They've got a wonderful website and their clothes are mm-hmm. really good, you know, wearable. Yes. Durable is what I'm and trying functional. to say. And functional clothes. Yes. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so we have that. And then just the other day, I used the affiliate link to make sure it worked and everything and bought me a pair of the Reebok CrossFit shoes. Okay. And, and they look so cool. I, I put mm-hmm. a picture of them on the Vicky Doe Fitness Facebook oh, okay. so people can check it out and use that affiliate link because, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we love that. And, you know, any affiliate link or any tools or 
any resources that's on that page, we've checked it out and it fits into what we do here at Vicido Fitness. So make sure you go and check out Reebok because we love it. And we have other tools and products and services on that page. So check it out. We got Sun Basket. We always talk about the yes. Polar monitors for mm-hmm. fitness tracking and heart rate monitoring. We got Warby Parker. People don't realize that, but that's for your cute little glasses. Mm-hmm. We got My Lab Box where you can do your STD checking. That's a home kit that's been proven to work. It's My Lab Box. Pass. we got bare feet yoga so you can check that out so yeah it's a lot of stuff on our resources page and like you say it's been checked out vetted the whole bit the whole bit so check it out Mm -hmm. and you know we always tell people that when you go to that resources page and then you use some of our affiliate links to get the products and services you're supporting us here at Vicido Fitness and as always right D thank you thank you thank you for your support thank you thank you for your support and so yeah d i was saying yeah i'm back home and we visit cape town south africa Mm -hmm. the trip was very successful because we wanted to see what andrea was doing because she's doing her you know study abroad Mm -hmm. for this semester Mm -hmm. january she's been there since january she'll be coming back in june but she had everything set up where all we had to do was to meet the people came in, they were doing, giving us private tours of the wines and the That's vineyards. Great. And the, we did the apartheid tour. Mm. We went over to the island, Robin, what is oh, it? Oh, Robin Island, where Robin uh, island. Mandela was for those years. Yes, we did uh-huh. that, the Robin Island. We did Cap. Those are colorful houses now within downtown Cape Town where the original slaves lived. Mm. And so they've, they've renovated those. Those are really nice now, but that's a tour uh, attraction as well. Yeah, District 6. Food, food, great, tasty, great food. And they don't use a lot of spice. That's what we were... I'm surprised. Yeah, they don't use a lot of hot spice is what I'm I'm saying. I'm very surprised. Yes. We went and we saw, we went to Cape Point and we saw the penguins. We saw ostrich farms Mm -hmm. where they were out just enjoying life. And then... I decided, you know, because T was teasing me. My brother T met us, and he hung out with us as well there. And he was teasing me because he said, I don't know why we in Cape Town, because they got all the good seafood, but you're going to be sticking to what you always do, salmon. (laughs) You need to branch out. So I said, okay, I'll branch out. So I tasted. He said, I want an ostrich burger and this and that. I decided that I will venture out and do the ostrich filet. Mm -hmm. And it actually was good. What did it taste like? It just tastes like a regular steak. Oh, like steak steak. Yeah, because ostrich is red meat, but it's very lean. Oh, I didn't. I thought it would taste like chicken. No. Oh. It's very lean. Okay. It's the leanest out there. So that's why it's it's healthy as well. Mm. But all of their stuff, even when we ventured off and we, you know, taste a little bit of pork or whatever, the taste is different. The the meat, all that tastes different. You can tell that it was, you know, it wasn't the processed stuff we have here. I mean, it was delicious. You're right on the water. Yes. Mm -hmm. The seafood was was just outstanding. Mm. 
yeah, we enjoyed that. The culture, mm -hmm. you know, we love the culture because they'll be out there dancing and singing. So it was just, it was just great. great. It was also interesting to be, it d doesn't really dawn on you until you go to Cape Town in South Africa to really think about the history and know that apartheid just stopped in 1994. Yeah, when you listen to Trevor Noah, who was raised yes. down there, and you read his book, I haven't read all of it, yes. but he talks about, you know, he had to stay in the house with his mother because he was a, a quote-unquote colored child from being of a mixed race. Yes. And his mother couldn't go out or any of that stuff. I mean, that was just 1999. That wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Yeah, but here's the thing that was that was very interesting too when we did the tour, just all the elaborate stuff that they went through to separate folks. Mm. You know, colored versus black versus mm -hmm, white versus mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even down when they were saying that people were looking to see interracial couples and then they'll go and be checking the sheets. Now, that's a little bit too much. Can you imagine? That's just some evil. That's just some downright That mean. means you ain't got shit to do. Not a dog. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, it was pretty bad down there. I mean, it was very bad. It was pretty bad. And, and, and they don't really talk about it because it was that bad. Yeah. That I can understand. Now. Do they talk about HIV AIDS at all? No. Okay. They didn't want to showcase any of the bad. They didn't showcase any uh -huh. of the bad. And then even when we were going, there was another gentleman that was a part of our tour. And uh -huh. he was like, yeah, they're kind of, you know, because you got... You got white folks and Dutch folks and yeah. British folks and all kinds of folks doing that yeah. tour. Yeah. And so they try to, you know, they, they talk sweep about. They away from that. Right. You're not going to see the shanty towns of where the really poor people right. live. Right. But we did that because okay. of, yes. Because, oh, you know, she does a lot of stuff that's, yeah. you know, that's in the good. community. Yeah. And so we got a chance to visit Langstaff, one of their townships. Yeah, that's good. And to see how they were, they're actually building up and you could see just with in that township, the very poor versus the yeah. the middle class versus the, you know, going mm -hmm. almost you upper middle class. It's yeah. just, yeah. It's, it's important to see that. It's important. Mm -hmm. But we noticed, though, and that's what I was laughing, shoot. If you want to get your hair did, they had a, a place on every corner I bet. in the township. I bet. Where they could go to the barbershop versus braids versus whatever. Wow. It was Weaves just, it was interesting. Yeah. It was interesting. You know, they had the barbecue going. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did they? Wow. That's interesting. Car wash. Get wow. your car wash. Yes. And, and it's very interesting because we still do all those things in our black neighborhoods yes. here. They are progressing and they're upbeat. And it's uh -huh. all about the young folks. And that's uh -huh. something the young folks Good. do that. Yeah. They were showing that they were getting ready, and it has passed now since we we're here, but they're getting ready to do their, their political voting. I saw that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They had over 40-something parties. Can you imagine? So, yeah. We still, and at the end of the day, I always said to, to Nate and we, and T and I, we enjoyed the, we enjoyed the waterfront because that's where our uh -huh. hotel was near uh -huh. and just seeing all the, you know, different people. We saw white folks that were Dutch, British, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Americans, you mm -hmm. know, black people, you were know, there, mixed people. Were there East Indians there? Like a lot of Indians. Yes. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. those were, 
the Malaysian folk, those yeah. were a part of the Indonesian, those were part of the original slaves right. that were there. So a lot right. of the mixed folk That's like what that. I hear, yes. that, a lot of that. Yes. Those ethnic groups Those were ethnic there. groups, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And then the, the different villages and stuff and mm-hmm. townships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it's very multicultural there. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah, and it was interesting to see where all of the people of color for real are the majority mm-hmm. and, you know, the white folks were the minority. Right. But still the economic power is with the minority. But when you can see, but when you go back and look at apartheid, how a few rule the masses. Isn't that something? You try to figure out what, how did a yes, few rule the, rule masses. the masses? And it's about economics. Let's remember, and that's for all of us, even here in America, we got to get our, because look at America and yeah. black folks and uh, economy. Yeah. yeah, We still got to get a grip on, on our economy. Yeah. So right. it's all about economics yeah. and resources. Yeah. We know with the history with Africa, you know, all of the, Money the diamonds yes. and the mines and the resources yes. were taken away yes. from, you yes. know, the colonies that you Dutch, Absolutely. then British, then back to Portuguese. And you see yes. all of that when you go to the museum in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about, you know, the poor. Portuguese were the slave traders and mm-hmm. the British and the Dutch and mm-hmm. all of that. The same thing in South Africa. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, wherever there were, it seemed people of color, you, that story is mm-hmm. the same old story. The same like old when story. I went to Australia, it was the same story with the British coming to mm-hmm. Australia and, you know, getting the original aborigine people the mm-hmm. in, and the resources and the resources the mm-hmm. story is the same the story is the same so that's why i was saying yeah so it's very interesting from a historical standpoint right so yeah. we don't have to go too far no to hear that same story same story mm-hmm. same story but yeah they're very when we talk to the south africans you know um, especially the young folks they're, uh-huh. they're hustling and yeah did they ask you all a lot of questions about the United States? Uh-huh. They were like, and it was so funny. We saw children playing in the street and they were like, oh, those are the, the black Americans. Oh, yeah. Wow. Do they ask about our president and stuff? And, uh, well, well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, just was just, well, just wondered. Do they have Uber? Moving on. Yes, they, plenty. They have Uber. Oh, plenty. Okay. That, that was our whole transportation okay, doing Uber. Yeah. Big time. And, and the drivers were from um, Zimbabwe. Oh. Oh, all over places. Nice. Yes. So what was your Honey Sweet's perspective since he's from Liberia up north? What was his perspective? Yeah, his perspective was it's totally different there, you know. And they always say, yeah, this is South Africa. But then, you know, you go to West Africa, it's a whole different vibe. And so it was interesting when we did stop in Dakar, Senegal, Uh even though it was, you know, the vibe is just different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, it's a big ass continent. When you know, did you say <laughs> it's like ten hours to fly from Senegal to Johannesburg? Big time, almost about eleven ish. Well, they say you can put about three United States in Africa, mm-hmm. the continent. The and continent. it's funny how people think of Africa as a country. No, and you got to get the, Africa is not a country; it's no. a continent mm-hmm. and a big one. A big one. Mm. 
So yeah, that was that was my my week a while That's back. Great. We've been back. Yeah, and I slept. I had to sleep. Mm-hmm. I bet you did. And catch up. Bet you did that jet lag. It's something, ain't it? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I they had week. to go right back to work. I know they were they were ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, doctor. I know Doctor Joe is going, but he's going to be back on Tuesday. The so and so. Really? You were like, dang. They don't know that schedule. They know that schedule. got it down. Yeah, well, he'll be back on Tuesday. Yes, the Mm. nurse practitioners. Well, he'll be back on Tuesday. I'm like, whoa. Whoa, they know it, huh? Okay, yeah. Well, there it is. There it are. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a good week. Um, Well, the week last weekend, I went to Cleveland for Mm -hmm. a uh, Cleveland Museum of Art had a nice uh, musical, uh, had a soiree where they had, they have two new exhibitions. One is a Gorm Parks, who was a, a famous African-American photographer. Yes, and they have and his I remember seeing that. Yes. from 40, 1940 to 1950. He did a lot of stuff for Life magazine and mm-hmm. just kind of on his own. So they had a great exhibition with that. And then they had an exhibition on Shinto art from Japan yes and got a chance to tour that okay um, and how was that because I want to go see really that was really nice in fact I went to a lecture last Wednesday the you know instead of coming here I went to a lecture and it was given by this young woman who is from Ireland interestingly enough her name was Sinead Wilbar but okay. she was fluent in Japanese and she gave us a lecture on Shinto art which was just kind of something that I hadn't really thought of but the exhibition and these works have not most of them have never been out of never been to the United States. Oh wow! And a lot of them rarely come from away from that Nara um, area in Japan. So it was great. And then they had some live painting. They had a, I believe she was Japanese woman doing some live uh, live painting performance to music. And they had good food. And it was just you know how they do there yes. in the atrium kind yes. of thing. Aww. So I just love that environment. Me so too. that was fun. Yeah. So that's that what sounds I did. good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that was fun. So what is going on this week? I don't know. It's kind of like the end of the era for all my TV stars. I know. Tim Conway. I used to love watching the old Carol Burnett show. Yeah, when I was younger, Mm -hmm. I would watch that. And then as I got older, you know how they have the the reruns. Reruns, yeah. Yeah. But not only Tim Conway. We were saying today Peggy Lipton from the Mod Mm -hmm. Squad. That was during my era because that was the first time you had an interracial detective group. You know, mm-hmm. two guys, well, the the guy with the big afro and mm-hmm. Peggy Lipton and this other guy who was, happened to be white. And then the third person was Doris Day. Yeah, I didn't realize now she was she, from Ohio. I didn't realize that either. Now, she was a little bit beyond my era, but I do remember some of her movies and her song, K, Sarah, Sarah, whatever yes. it will be. So, yeah, so three major people in entertainment from the 40s, 50s, 60s and 70s kind of era. I know. Yeah. And then Peggy, I didn't know she was married to Quincy. I did. And to her two daughters, who are one of them, Rashida, has been on this. I can't think of. She's been on several, uh, you know, drama series. And okay. Stuff. Okay. Kidada and Rashida. Okay. Oh, Rashida. Yeah. Okay. And, wow. Uh, beautiful girls. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, she was married to him back in the day. Mm-hmm. I know. But here's the thing, though. You know, life keeps going on and and different folks come up and mm-hmm. and forth. But we don't realize these people were doing their thing back in the day. And they were. now they're in their 80s, passing mm-hmm. away mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, exactly. and it's like, wow, okay. That's the end of an era, you know. That's it. The end of an end of an era. I mean, Tim Conway, I remember seeing back in the 70s with the Carol Burnett mm-hmm. show, you know, because there weren't a lot of, and that was when you had the, still had the variety shows on. Yes, you know, yes, so yes. And Carol Burnett is still alive. She sure cause is. Because she was devastated to hear about him. I mean, you know, it was all about Harvey Corman and Tim Conway and Carol uh, yes, Burnett. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah so. so. Yeah. Also, I was looking at this article and, you know, I was thinking about it because on Amazon, Amazon Prime, they have this device now, but it's um, a single lead. It's called Cardia. And they advertise yeah, it. how you found that article. Yeah, they advertise it all the time. And I had thought about getting it. But you can put your thumb on, on this through your phone, mm. hook it up, mobile, and it can show you your arrhythmias and mm. heart. Yes. And then you can run that off and send it to your mm. physician. Fantastic. Yes. And so they promote that all the time. That's good because on, a lot of people, once they get over 60, start coming up with atrial fibrillation. Mm-hmm. So they've been promoting that and oh, it good. just costs like less than a hundred dollars so when i saw this now they're doing it where it's instead of being the single lead now they're going to have it just like a six six lead lead. yeah so the fda clears the first yeah no the six lead personal ecg and it's going to be called cardia mobile 6L and it's coming out in June mm-hmm. and it says a live course second generation cardio mobile 6L was granted FDA clearance the company said making it the first it'll be the first six lead um, personal ECG allowed into the U.S. market the device has the same design as the existing one which is the single lead cardio mobile with the addition of an electrode placed at the bottom of the device. Users place their thumbs, yeah, on each of the two top electrodes and press the bottom electrode against their, they're going to be able to put it against their left knee or ankle. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Oh, wow. So the existing personal ECGs on the market, like the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch's ECG app. Do you have an Apple Watch? No. Okay. Did you have one? No, I don't. T has one, and he was showing me. He was showing me that. that, That's how we got to talking about it. He was showing me because it has it in there. The the the, heart rate. The heart thing. Uh huh. Yeah, but they're just a single lead. Okay. And it's an app. It utilizes the single lead technology. With the six leads, the smartphone compatible cardio mobile. 6L will be able to detect a broader range of arrhythmias mm-hmm. according to an Alive Core press release. Yeah, well, this is going to be a major, because like I said, the, that's the most common arrhythmia. And the problem is that mm-hmm. sometimes it's not diagnosed till people have strokes or some kind of something like that. Now they can pick it up earlier. Right. That's good. So it's going to be out in June. That's great. Yeah. So it will bring the device to the store starting mm. mid June. Great. And so one of the, what is his name? Eric Topol. Yeah, he's from the, he used to be at the Cleveland Clinic. Eric okay. Topol. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's of Scripps Health now. Uh-huh. And he says, I am impressed with the quality and simplicity of the and six And that's something coming from him. So when I see his name on it, it's like, yeah, that's valid. Yeah, yeah, yeah the six lead smartphone yeah. ECG tracings, which mm-hmm. will unquestionably sharpen our ability to diagnose heart rhythm and conductive abnormalities. 
So it's a welcome and a needed step forward to mobile heart diagnostics. Great. So yeah, he's he's in tune. Everybody loves it. It was presented at the American College of Cardiology, their annual meeting this mm. year, talking mm. about the six lead device able to measure the QT interval mm. according to mm-hmm. a live core. So mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And it did FDA clearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm definitely going to buy mm-hmm. that device. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the smart device app and I all that kind of too. stuff. Me too. Yeah. yeah. So won't that be good? That'd be great. Yes, yeah. yes. So that's the latest on that. Oh, the, that's great. The FDA and the six lead personal ECG. But then Amazon, didn't you hear everybody was talking about Amazon and how this yeah it was on it was reported on cnn they were talking about it and then this is written on um cnn business but they were talking about how amazon will pay ten thousand dollars and three months salary to help workers start delivery businesses because they're going to rule the world and they need delivery all over the world thank you let that sink in isn't that something so that shows you, that just shows you how much business they project that they'll be doing. Yeah, but just think about when you think about him, Jeff Bezos, Bezos. he started books, remember, in his garage. Uh-huh. Yep, he sure did. His wife is now the third richest, because I was looking on my Facebook the other day, and it just happened to pop up the top five women. And, you know, Mrs. Bezos or Bezos wasn't in it. It was the Walton woman and Mars <laughs> candy bar and this, that, and the other. After she got that divorce, it catapulted her up to number three richest woman in the world. Mm. World. Mm. World. <laughs> Let that sink in. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well, this says that Amazon, it wants its employees to quit. Mm. That's what I thought was interesting. Mm. Quit their jobs and create their own delivery businesses. Mm. It turns out that's an expensive proposition. So Amazon, they're upping the ante. This is what happened last year. June 2018, Amazon announced U.S. employees could apply to start their own small businesses delivering the prime packages in Amazon branded vans and uniforms. So they were going to give them all that. And then they put the little, because remember the commercials Mm -hmm. were coming out, Mm -hmm. you know, and they would put these little stickers and stuff on their vans. Mm -hmm. And the company hoped that it could at least feel its huge need for people to bring packages from local Amazon sorting centers to customers who ordered Uh them. Although it says here, although Amazon said tens of thousands of employees express interest in the program, the company acknowledged this past Monday that many of its workers, they couldn't afford the startup money they needed to get the business off the ground. And so that's how Amazon decided to announce that it will give its employees up to $10,000 of start money that they would need along with three months of their existing Amazon pay as a way of getting the capital that they would need to get into the service. Mm. So Dave Clark, who's the Amazon senior vice president of worldwide, that's what you said, worldwide Mm -hmm. operations, right? Mm -hmm. He said, we receive overwhelming interest from tens of thousands of individuals who applied to be part of the delivery service partner program. That's what that program Mm -hmm. is called. And we've heard from associates that they want to participate in the program, but they struggled with the transition. And so that's why they decided to do this. And 
Amazon, they've been gearing up to have an independent delivery service to handle packages. So I'm thinking about this from my MBA <laughs> business standpoint. First of all, mm-hmm. I don't look at Amazon doing something just because they want to be nice. Right. So I'm trying to figure out, so I'm thinking, well, it's cheaper for them in the long run Mm -hmm. to have these people start up their businesses because they're just talking about three months salary. They probably did the math. Mm -hmm. Three months salary and $10,000 as opposed to Mm -hmm. keeping all these people and paying their health insurance and all this insurance and all this, that, and the other. They probably did the math. Yes. And figured out, and, and you're talking worldwide, mm-hmm. that if they could outsource, now they've outsourced. Right. As opposed to they've, they've taken their workers and made them outsourcees. Yes. So now they don't have to pay their insurance. They don't have to pay a whole bunch of stuff. And they probably did the math and figure out, well, this is a way we can save money, but also make it beneficial for us so we can benefit Who's benefiting like you always say? Who's benefiting? <laughs> Who's benefiting? I mean, I see, I, I think about yes. Apple ain't that nice. Right. They couldn't have gotten to where they were by being that nice. Right. And it's about profit. That's it. So they're getting something out of it. They get the something out of it. are getting do. something out of it. But still in all, it's probably still in the long run cheaper right. for them to do it But at way. least they're thinking that way, right? Yeah. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, these corporations are thinking while we're sleeping. Right. Right. They're up all night. And just think of, just think how independent you know, folks will be. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you take on, get an Amazon contract, Mm -hmm. you probably set. You set. You set. You set. Yeah. They said this year, they said between them, they have hired. So Amazon said, since it has started the delivery server, there has been more than 200 independent contractors. Mm -hmm who sign up to handle yeah. the deliveries. Yeah, because some people have said, I've, I heard this a few, several years ago, that stock in UPS and, and, and all these FedEx and all these were going up because they knew they could see Amazon coming down the line, ruling the world. Mm-hmm. And especially if they're venturing out, what are they now they're doing? They're getting ready to do health care. They're getting ready to do a, a lot of stuff. A lot of yeah. stuff. So Amazon will rule the world mm-hmm. and you need people to deliver their stuff. Deliver. It says this this company plans to add hundreds more delivery contractors, Mm -hmm. including the former employees who take up the company on its offer. So you can't beat that. No. Mm -mm. So that was kind of brilliant on that part, right? They thinking while we're sleeping. (laughs) That's why they're Amazon. That's why they're Amazon. (laughs) Correct. That's right. That's it. While we sleep at the switch, they're thinking. They're thinking. That's it. Oh wow. Now, every time we talk, we have a health tip. And this week, our health tip is finding time for fitness. This is on our website, Vicky Doe Fitness, written by Health Day News. Easy ways to get more exercise. Struggling to fit in 30 minutes of daily exercise? Well, the American Heart Association recommends you to, number one, go for a walk. Take the dog or child or head to the mall and do laps while you do the window shopping. So you're going to the mall and you're doing laps while you window shop. At least you're saving money. You're mm-hmm. not going in there. Exactly. <laughs> stopping. You can't go in right. there and stop. Right. No, right. no, 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 no. <laughs> Get together a group of friends for a team sport or exercise. That's another tip. Mm-hmm. 
Number three, walk while you're talking on the phone. I do this all the time. Uh-huh. I go back and uh-huh. forth walking while right. I'm talking on but the make phone. Make sure you're not doing it in the middle of the street. Right. Right. Number four, park further from the door at work or while running an errand. Number five, skip the elevator in favor of the stairs. Now, we had to do that whether we liked it or not. Remember when the elevator was shut down yes, in this building? Yes, yes, yes. That was a hike. The, ooh, <laughs> I'm on the seventh floor. That was, that was a hike. That and was I only torture. had to do it one time. I had to do it for every about day. two weeks yeah. every day. Whoa, whoa. Yes. Whoa. That was my my stuff got lighter. I bet. I know <laughs> you figured out that you didn't need really need that. <laughs> At one point, I you just don't really need. You just maybe need a little purse and a pen. That's it. <laughs> you don't really At one need point, all that stuff up At here. one point, I just had my wallet. <laughs> It's funny it. how you can do without. Yes. Yep. I just yep. had my wallet going up and down. I understand. Uh, Even a sandwich is too heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. I understand. Big time. Yeah. So, yeah. Skip the elevator yeah. in favor of the stairs. Mm-hmm. Throw an impromptu living room dance party. And mm-hmm. that's so cool when you put the music on. Yeah. Haven't you done that? You yes. put the music on sure, and you just absolutely. start dancing yeah. and enjoying. Yeah. Yes. Dancing and enjoying. Yeah. Yes. And then last but not least, follow up a healthy dinner with a short walk instead of dessert. Mm-hmm. And those are some tips for us to find time for exercise. And we know with the latest guidelines, there's no excuse no, anyway. Say, say what they are again. Two minutes. There you go. Two minute bouts right. throughout the day adds up. Yep. So there you go, folks. There you go. <laughs> That's it. So what's the latest, D? So two things, and we're going to talk about this next week, but the measles epidemic doesn't seem to be quieting down at all. You know, they have over, I think the last count was 837 cases of measles. And I'm going to talk next week about measles. and Because I'm getting a lot of questions about people's immunity. Yes. You know, like myself, I have natural immunity, but has my immunity waned because was never any reason for me to go and get antibody testing. So, you know, they're just relooking at the kids that were vaccinated, people that were living before and after 1957 and that. So that's that. And then Ebola, there've been over a thousand cases already in the Democratic Republic of Congo. There's no end in sight with that either Mm. because they're still having problems with, in fact, some people just got killed a few weeks ago. A doctor Mm. who had come there who said he was kind of afraid, but I forget what country he was in. He came there because he was going to do some volunteer work and they killed him. Mm. Had two children, mm. still problems, and there are over a thousand cases. And so far, I mean, they have not declared it an epidemic. You know, they've got the vaccines and everything, but still, it has, it, you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to be, have done away with Ebola by now. I know. Um, they can't get past the cultural mores and all of that, that are the barriers for getting to people to not only give them vaccines, but to get the bodies out. Mm. They're having problems even going in trying to get the bodies out of these places because of the way that the Africa, the Congolese people, and a lot of Africans too, observe the dead. You Mm. know, you just can't be going around burning people. That's just not part of their culture. Right. So they're doing even stuff like when the, you know, the officials come by, they're propping dead people up so that they look like they're alive. And mm. the same thing they did in Li- in Liberia and Guinea mm. and Sierra Leone mm-hmm. was not uncommon for this kind of thing to happen. So it's just 
tragic. It is tragic. Wow. It's tragic. Well, you would definitely keep us I in will. touch. I certainly will. And we can't wait till you come and talk about the epidemic of measles and the latest yes. update. Yes. Next yes. Week. Next week. Well, today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 46. And so our first article is exercise boosts function of older chronic kidney disease patients. And it's written in uh, MedPage today. And it says supervised exercise training feasible in patients with comorbidities. Chronic kidney disease, it says chronic kidney disease patients with comorbidities gained some benefits from exercise training, researchers reported here. In the award trial, and that award meant aerobics, weights, and renal disease. In the award trial, the peak VO2 was about 17 milliliters per kilograms per minute for both the exercise and education groups. Peak VO2, that is your max oxygen capacity hmm. when you exercise. But at six months, there was an improvement about 10% of the mean VO2 for the exercise group hmm. and little change in the health education group. The difference between the group was statistically significant, according to Stephen Seliger. Hmm. He's an MD of the University of Maryland in Baltimore and Daniel Weiner, MD of Tufts University in Boston. However, at 12 months, the VO2 peak did not reach statistical significance due to a lot of patients dropping out. And we always say in the exercise world that it's very hard to do exercise training on kidney patients. Oh, wow. Yeah. Most especially, you know, Interesting. with the dialysis. Stuff, you yeah. know, they tired. Oh, yeah. That's right. It it's makes them weak you walk and in the tired. Room and you see the dialysis patients most of the time, about 90% of the time when they're in there, they're sleeping. Yeah, they're tired. Yeah. And then remember, you got the whole blood cells and the oxygen. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. that gets affected, you know, that's why they give them all the what medications and stuff for their blood cells and so forth. Oh, yeah. EPO and all of that. Yeah. And building up their red blood cells and stuff. Right. Uh-huh. That's the main part of how we get our oxygen capacity wow, through to exercise. Right. Yeah. It's very hard to do some type of exercise training, but over time, it improves stuff if we mm -hmm. can get folks to exercise. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's very hard for compliance mm -hmm. with exercise for folks that have kidney disease. And so that's why, you know, you always, these are always interesting to look at, you know, these supervised exercise training. Mm -hmm. And like this article will will continue to talk about, most of them have comorbidity. So most of them are, they have something else. Mm -hmm. They're either what hypertensive right. or type two diabetic, diabetic. or yeah. some other stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it makes it very hard. When they looked at this, the overall treatment by time interaction trended towards significance. They did have significance for increasing their VO2 max, which is their oxygen capacity when they did the exercise training. But they're saying that 
by conventional definition, after 12 months, the VO2 peak didn't reach um, significant statistical significance. And this was said by the National Kidney Foundation, and that was because folks dropped out. At baseline, they did the six-minute walk tests, and this mm-hmm. is done, and it was about 1,300 feet for both groups. Performance on the six-minute walk test improved significantly in the exercise group, but of course it did not change for the health education group. The differences between the groups were statistically significant at six months and 12 months. Prior research has shown that for CKD patients, they perform worse on the grip, the strength, remember, mm-hmm. the strength test, the gait speed, and then the distance, the six-minute walk distance. They have a test which is called the tug test, and that's the get-up. It's a time up-and-go test where you get up and go quickly. And the prior research has showed that kidney patients, chronic kidney patients, they don't do very well on this test. And when it comes to exercise training in chronic kidney disease patients, there isn't much information available, and especially for the non-dialysis population. Hmm. However, there have been a few number of small trials looking at dialysis patients Mm -hmm. for cycling and resistance Mm -hmm. activity. The best data is from an Australian randomized control trial that showed good adherence. Remember I said there's Mm -hmm. really not a lot of compliance, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it showed good adherence and significant improvement when it came to the um, six-minute walk test in the intervention cohort and no change in the control cohort. There are similar adverse events between the two groups and no deaths. Older adults with a number of comorbidities can benefit from more exercise. And this was said by Dr. Weiner, and he said providers and patients may have preconceptions that someone is too old or too sick Mm -hmm. or has too many conditions (laughs) to exercise. But in the award trial, we had people participate who had a lot of comorbidity, and on average, they were able to participate safely, this is important, and benefited from exercise. Hmm. The investigators randomized 50 patients to the education arm and 49 to the exercise arm of this study. The average age was um, 68. They had 74 men 58 of them were diabetic. The two groups had similar baseline characteristics. They had inclusion criteria. The mini mental state examination had to be greater than 20, less than 185 minutes each week of self-reported physical activity. Their ages were and had to be greater than or equal to 50 community dwelling. They had to have an estimated GFR between 15 to 45 Uh, millimeters per minute. They could not do this trial if they had a recent cardiovascular event and if they had class three-fold heart failure and uncontrolled diabetes. Now, among the exercise training group, the total adherence was at least 59.5% for the initial six months of the trial. And it went down a little bit, 48.9% for the remaining six months of the trial. Participants randomized to the in-center exercise training arm. They did, and that's where they were coming in, 
they did a year-long program consisting of supervised. They did strength training twice per week, and then they did aerobic exercise training three times per week. The in-center, they had the health education group, they engaged they did something because that wouldn't be fair. Right. At least they did something. Mm-hmm. And they had them doing passive stretching. They did group-based lifestyle counseling and successful aging workshop. And then they did the renal disease education. They did some tests, the short physical performance battery. They did the tug test. That's where you, you know, get up and go test. Mm-hmm. They did the peak VO2 test and then the six-minute mm-hmm walk tests and they were evaluated at the baseline that's the start um, six months after their six months into their intervention and then 12 months there were significant improvements in the tug test that means the get up and go test between the two groups and there were no significant differences between the two groups when they did the whole physical performance battery the final analysis is that there were no serious adverse effects linked directly to the exercise training program. That's good. Although 44% of the participants had some serious adverse effects that were expected, the authors noted, there was one death, though, in the exercise group and four in the education group. This definitely a good study, and it shows that you can exercise even if you do have kidney disease. Kidney disease, yeah. And you have some comorbidities. You mm-hmm. are type 2 diabetic. They do, you know, this study did have some limitations, small patient population, mm-hmm. and the fact that not all the participants completed the full year of the study. But what Dr. Weiner said, it is uncertain whether unsupervised or unstructured exercise would be similar beneficial you probably have to push those people or safe but you got yes you got to push those yes people. they're just not going to do it no because that's like we not, said that's the reality like we said it's very hard to get some type of exercise training for folks that you know those that are in dialysis yeah and definitely those you know those that it's are, hard for just people that are healthy <laughs> you're right you know it's just hard to get people more so you're gonna have to push those people and dialysis it it weighs it's it's heavy on your body yeah yeah, yeah so like i said 90 percent of the patients that i see they're sleeping yeah dialysis for dialysis stage. patients yeah and these guys mm-hmm. did it on the the folks that aren't taking dialysis uh-huh. but still it's still hard. It's still hard because they're, they're chronic. Still, they're still feeling some of the effects of kidney disease. Yeah, they're still chronic kidney disease patients, good, right? Which doesn't feel good. Right. So yeah. that's good news. Yeah. At least we can try to yeah. still encourage. And, and we're trying to get everybody to, and that just shows that everybody, you know. Exercise training is yeah, good. It and is. we always say, because that, that was asked when I was doing the 300 and Sisters in Red, one of the questions, they were talking about some type of heart valve problem or some type Mm -hmm. of something that one of the ladies was saying that her mom Mm -hmm. was going through, I think it was a heart failure Uh and this and that and the other. And she was saying, what type of exercise? And we say for folks that have these issues, we always say exercise as tolerated. We never say, no, don't exercise. Right. As tolerated. Because it's proven over and over. We don't want to give them an out. We don't want to give them a reason not to do anything at all. Yeah, because it's been proven over and over again. And you can see that when you go into rehab with stroke Mm -hmm. patients. If they get... You, if they get folks moving and doing something, yeah. even if it's just a little something, right. over time it improves. Yeah. 
it improves that person's and at least quality of life, right? Yep. So the next one, cost savings for telemedicine estimated at $19 to $120 per mm-hmm. patient visit. <laughs> yeah. And I thought this was good because you, you know, you I, know had, something I, about. I certainly have had the experience <laughs> of being replaced by telemedicine, unfortunately. But, you know, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you got to step out of the way because it's 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 here. It's now, you know, whether we like it or whether I like it, you know, and these hospitals are operating on, you know, many of them are some of them are for profit and some of them for cost savings. So this article Interesting. Diverting patients from the emergency department with telemed medicine can save more than $1,500 a week. Some of the takeaway points that I'm going to bring out on this are telemedicine can both expand access and reduce costs. Most telemedicine episodes of care can be resolved with one visit. Cost savings outweigh increased health care service utilization that is linked to telemed's easy access. So telemedicine visits generate cost savings mainly by diverting patients away from more costly cares. And we know that people use the emergency room as the doctor's office. Yes. And so you just got to get away from that. Mm-hmm. The primary market opportunity for telemedicine visits is the value proposition that they can both expand access to patients, like out in rural areas and stuff that don't have doctors and emergency rooms and urgent cares, while reducing costs compared to alternative care settings. The new study is based on data of 650 patients who use the Jeff Connect telemedicine platform at Philadelphia-based Jefferson Health. In our on-demand telemedicine program, we found the majority of health concerns could be resolved in a single consultation and new utilization was infrequent. Synchronous audio-visual telemed consults, which I have done, Mm. I was taught to do them by Mm -hmm. my former people that I worked for, resulted in short-term cost savings by diverting patients from more expensive care settings. The cost of a visit was $49 flat fee. The bulk of the cost savings from the telemed program was generated in diverting patients from the emergency room. Each avoided emergency department visit garnered cost savings ranging from $309 to $1,500. Cost savings from other alternate care types was below, you do the math, below 114 average savings per visit. So the net cost savings to the patient or payer per telemed visit of $19 to $121 represents a meaningful cost savings when compared with the $49 cost of an on-demand visit. The primary source of the generated savings is from avoidance of the ER, as this is by far the most expensive of the alternate care options, the researchers wrote. About 16% of the Jeff Connect, this is from Jefferson Medical Center, the old Jefferson Medical Center in Philadelphia, surveyed said they would have done nothing as an alternative to a telemedicine visit representing potential increased utilization of services. But cost savings outweigh possible higher utilization of services due to telemed's easy access. A substantial shift would be necessary to outpace the savings from diversion. Conversely, this population of patients who have done nothing may represent improved access and incorporation of patients into the healthcare system that might not have participated previously. This might actually prevent more costly care further down the line. And I agree with that. I mean, and people ask, well, how does it work? So you have a monitor where the doctor is, and you have a monitor where the other facility is. Mm-hmm. And the doctor gets behind the television, and after all the codes are gone through, the, the screen lights up on my end. I can see the nurse and the patient on the other end. Mm-hmm. There's a $7,000 plus stethoscope that you use, and mm. the nurse puts it on the chest of that patient or abdomen or lungs or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
in my year of doing telemed, there was not one patient that didn't mind it because I'm thinking, oh, you know, they don't, they're, how are they going to miss seeing that? Not at all. Really? Not at all. And then mm. the nurses go from room to room. You stay sedentary in your room and you just go from, and then they now have billing codes for it, which is another important oh, okay. thing. Yeah. So, but you know, mm. something has to be done because we all know in these major cities, ours included, that people, a lot of them who don't have insurance, who fail to sign up for affordable care or whatever, Use the emergency room like a doctor's office. And that is costly because, you know, I'm not casting a wide net on people, but oftentimes they're not paying for it. Yes. And so the cost has to be eaten by the hospital or somebody. Yes. And then they can't turn them away. No, you can't turn them away. You know, something has to be done because healthcare costs are expensive. So So tell me, though. When the nurse is on the other side, where are they? Are they in a clinic or in a... Well, in my situation, it was in the hospital. So the nurses were in the room with the patients, with the the mobile mobile screen. Okay, okay. And uh, you had a lot of trust had to be made, though, if you wanted to, for me, an infectious disease is look at a wound mm-hmm. or feel somebody's abdomen because you don't now have those tactile things. You right. Can't, you got to depend on what they're feeling. You got to depend on what they're feeling. Mm. Now, the camera that's used to look at wounds and stuff is extremely good, you know, good okay. resolution and stuff like that. But there is a lot of trust that has to be done because okay. a lot of the stuff that you used to use in your skills with being right there with the patient, you have to figure out. Mm, I have to figure out something else. Okay, so you got to do, you got to go by how things look now more. Exactly, than how they feel, smell, whatever, which is the way that we were trained. But, you you know, those ways got to go by. So you got to go back to those things that those of us older doctors have been against more, mm-hmm. more tests. And, mm-hmm. you know, instead of listening and making mm-hmm. a diagnosis with the stethoscope, you got to get a chest X-ray. Yeah. So you got to figure out how I'm sure, to. I'm uh, sure they're going to have technology the way it's going. They're going to have technology where they can actually smell. Well, we can actually more often, yeah, touch probably exactly and give a signal, and, and you can see also how, like for the the previous organization that I work for, mm-hmm. they are now out in the rural areas, and like this article said, mm-hmm. first of all, you're gonna pick up people who have diseases and stuff like that where they're not going to the doctor because they don't have access. Mm. You know, they're not gonna get in a car and drive 50 miles. I mean, when I worked in rural Pennsylvania, I would say in the morning, okay, I've got to call somebody that was maybe they were 20 miles away in another city. They were still part of our system, and they had to cross a bridge. Mm. And I would call in the morning, and I would say, well, Mrs. So and So, I've got an opening in my office because I'm not gonna be seeing patients in that office this afternoon can you come over to so and so oh no I I mean I haven't been over there in 10 years I mean it's 20 miles oh wow and in these rural areas people are very territorial they don't don't do that well they're people from Warren don't come to Youngstown they don't do that here no so and Warren is what 15 minutes right people don't go from Warren to Youngstown and vice versa and so you can see how mm-hmm. you can set up a little clinic mm-hmm. in a rural area. Mm-hmm. It's manned by a doctor in a big city sitting behind a screen. And now he can see all these patients instead of them going to the emergency room. And the researchers found that it's not like they have to come back for five or six visits. One visit usually took care of the problem. One visit. 
So, I mean, you know, like I said, this was 650 patients, not a huge number of patients. But it makes but a difference, it's, right? It's 650 patients. But how do they pay for that then? Well, you know, the patients? Yeah. So they take, so on the other end, insurance is taken. Okay. Because there's always some way to check out or whatever, because they're coming to an alternate care facility, not the emergency room, but, but some, it's another, like another, a clinic. Right. For that. So the patients pay by whatever Like a telemedicine they, clinic. Exactly. Got it. Okay. We bill because we have billing codes, CPT codes and billing for codes your for services. telemedicine, okay. right? And the patients pay based on whatever insurance it okay. is that they have. Okay. And the VITS is a lot cheaper. Let's say if they're so on the a government are more, program. They're more able to, they're more acceptable for paying that because yeah, it's cheaper. Yeah, right. Because if they go to the emergency room, ah. I don't care if they go for a sore throat, which a lot of times is what a lot of patients come in for. That's $300, $400 visit. As opposed to a $49 yes. flat fee. Yes. You get me. Got it. You can see a lot more patients run through. Because in the emergency room, they're not only taking care of, you know, Sister May who brought in her child for a sore throat that could have been seen in a pediatrician's office or whatever. They're also now taking care of major trauma simultaneously. It's really busy. So, you know, you have to sit in the emergency room for three or four hours. You come to this telemed clinic. You up and out. Yeah, you're up and out for $49 flat fee. Wow. That's what they charged here. So, I mean, that's the wave of the future. That's a wave. That's the wave of the future. And they're mm -hmm. going to be able, and especially in, you know, you look at states like Mississippi, Alabama, you know, a lot of these, and Montana, and North right. Dakota, and South all Dakota, these, South all, Dakota those, yeah. all these places where mm -hmm. it's cold mm -hmm. and people are not going to want to travel. Mm -hmm. Tell a med clinic. Mm -hmm. in your neighborhood you don't even have to have a doctor there mm -hmm. just go into the thing just go in and click on the television and dr d banks is somewhere in fargo mm -hmm. or birmingham mm -hmm. and this is also going to lend i know some people too that are, it's lending itself to people doing some private things maybe you don't maybe jefferson health maybe what i'm because i'm using that mm -hmm. but you know what's to say that a private person could not hire a physician and a nurse on the other end and figure out all the whereofs like 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 they do with home health mm -hmm. you know home health don't have a lot of well, they have doctors you see me asking you because i'm thinking some yeah, things I mean, they too don't, they don't have doctors yeah you know, the home health are run by nurses, nurses and and and, yeah. and, and, and administrators because you could do that with a so nurse you hire a physician or, a yeah. nurse practice you don't even have to hire a doctor mm -hmm. hire a nurse practitioner some mm -hmm. of the nurse practitioners that i work or with a physician now, assistant or a physician assistant Mm -hmm. And then on the other end, you hire a nurse. And then you can contract out with a medical director. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I know some people that are working on that. You know, that's mm -hmm. the wave of the future. And people that, that should get on the bandwagon. Mm -hmm. I also foresee this. I mean, prison, prisons have been doing this for a long time, particularly with HIV care. But I could see a rural area getting a big grant from the government to see a lot of patients this way mm -hmm. using telemedicine, mm -hmm. a big government grant because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's worth it for them, mm -hmm. you know, rather than these patients running into the emergency room, you know, having huge costly visits for a hangnail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can't make this stuff up. Stuff like that happens. You know, they run in for a hangnail because that's their doctor. Right. It's that mindset. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
And somewhere along the line, you got to say no because the emergency rooms are to be used for the gunshot for real, and strokes right? and heart right. attacks and, and all these other things that... Acute trauma, acute right. Acute trauma. That's it. Acute problems. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody that's in ketoacidosis or somebody that needs immediate dialysis, not bringing in your child with sniffles. I know. And that's been a problem for... I mean, since I was in training. Forever, right? Forever. And it's just got to stop because healthcare is, I, I keep repeating myself, healthcare is costly. It is costly. And this telemedicine thing, like I said, mm-hmm. and it's not like you're reinventing the wheel. Mm-mm. It's not like you're coming yeah, out with a new thing. It's been a while for it's a long time. It's already there. And it's been a while, too. And it's been, been around. around you just time. have to now tap into what has already been established. Yeah. I say it's a win-win. It's a win-win because they've always done, because we talked about it in cardiac rehab. Yeah. they always done where you do it on the phone mm-hmm. and you check your all, the the, the technology and the vetting and all of that has all like this this Jefferson a lot of the major hospitals are already yeah, doing Cleveland it. Cleveland Clinic, doing Cleveland it. Clinic, all UPMC is doing it. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are already doing it. So it's not like you trying to figure out all the codes and the rules and the regs. It's already, already there. there. Yes. So. Okay. Well, hey. all you out there in Radio Land, yes, <laughs> I probably spurned your interest, but yeah, it's, this it's, it's the wave of the future. Yeah. That's my soapbox for today. Yes. Yeah, wave of the future. Wave that's of the a good future. one. That's the wave of the future. It is. Well, our next article, we spent a lot of time on I that, know. but that's a good well, one. Well, it was a good topic. It's a good topic. Oh. It says, daily low-dose aspirin no longer recommended by doctors yeah. if you're healthy. And this was written in the New York Times. Yeah, I can quickly go through this, run through okay. this one. This is just, you know, it's the, the old dogma was low-dose aspirin has been described as a panacea to ward off heart attacks. You know, you, the baby aspirin or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and to ward off heart attacks, strokes, and cardiovascular disease. But new guidelines now suggest that aspirin should not be prescribed to most adults who are in good cardiovascular health mm-hmm. and that the risk of internal bleeding outweighs the benefit. So this came from the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association. They released new guidelines back in March. They come on the heels of studies released last year that said daily low dose, 100 milligrams or less, did not help older adults who do not have cardiovascular disease. And what was happening was that, and even myself, I'm very aspirin sensitive. Mm -hmm. And I remember going on the plane, uh, uh, some long distance place, and I'm taking an aspirin, which, you know, does things with your platelets. And I'm looking and I'm like bleeding. And I'm like, whoa. So they Mm. were finding that adults, older adults, and now particularly adults, the research has shown Mm -hmm. that are 70 and older, Mm -hmm. they have an increased risk of internal bleeding. And so the guidelines are for people with no clinical signs of heart disease or stroke, said one of the authors, Erin Mikos, the associate director of preventive cardiology at Johns Hopkins. Uh, She emphasized that people who have had heart attacks or have had stents should continue with their medication. They should still take aspirin. Mm -hmm. And we want to preface all this by saying before you haul off and stop taking your aspirins, check with your primary care physicians. Definitely. Uh, Patients, again, should check with their PCPs or cardiologists. Mm -hmm. Dr. Miko said she had been telling her patients who do not have cardiovascular disease to stop taking aspirins. And many of them are receptive because I'm sure many of them have had the situation where they have bleeding. Instead, the guidelines recommend behavioral changes like we talk about all the time healthy weight don't smoke moderate activity for at least 150 minutes a week 
and a diet with vegetables, fruits, nuts, and whole grains and fish. Last year, one study published in the New England Journal found no benefits to taking aspirin in low-risk patients. Mm -hmm. Another found that diabetics with cardiovascular disease could benefit from low-dose aspirin, but there was a risk of major, major bleeding. bleeding. And the study, the third study found that heavier adults would need larger doses, suggesting that how much a patient takes matters. matters. Oh my God. And those findings apply to people with no history of dementia, physical disability, heart attacks, or strokes. So with the bleeding, how do, because so, people bleed differently. It's so. rectal bleeding. So it's rectal bleeding. A lot bleeding. of it is rectal bleeding, either through bright red blood in your stool mm -hmm. or uh, melana, which you have to test for. Okay. And that starts, a lot of it starts, like the bright red bleeding is associated with hemorrhoids more and the internal bleeding Bleeding, like for ulcers and stuff like that mm -hmm. would manifest itself by black tarry stools mm -hmm. and and yeah it's a mess because you know you drop your hemoglobin down and you're 70 years old and now you're dizzy and you fall you break a hip you know they've been talking about this for a long time and so I'm glad the research shows that it's not like if you don't have a big risk for it again we want you to check with your doctors but a lot of these people you know their platelets were affected they even to the extent of hitting their head you know, getting bruises and, you know, and bleeding and mm. stuff. Because, you know, the, the, the aspirins, we know that's how they work. They, they, yeah, they, they do. They, with the platelets. Yes. So, so they won't, you know, to prevent to, clotting, right. but you exactly. don't want to be bleeding. No. <laughs> no. That's worse. No. No. Yeah, but check this out, though. Speaking of which, when we talked about falling, because we were talking about that on one of our shows when I was editing one of our shows, and we were talking about how that when you, as you get older, if, you know, you got to think about balance and all these things to keep yes. you from falling, because once you fall and break your hip, it's Game downhill. Over. Game and over. so I saw where Jimmy Carter. Yes. And how yes. old is he now? 93. And that's when I was like, uh-oh. Yes. That's why I tell my mom, who's 101, mm. you have to hold on. Even myself, I mm. hold on now. Mm. As you get older, your equilibrium, your autonomic nervous system, all of that. Mm -hmm. A fall your inner and breaking ear your changes. inner ear, all of that. With the balance, A yes. fall and breaking your hip, mm. although they've done a lot more with all of that, is still increased morbidity associated with a broken mm. hip. Yeah, you fall and break a hip, and then now you're on aspirin, and now you're going to bleed on top of it. Not a good look. And so, no, yeah. so, and our prayers go out to Jimmy Carter because I yes. certainly do like him. I put on Facebook, God cannot be ready for him because he's got a lot more books to write and a lot more houses to build. Definitely. Yeah. And so we're going to do our last one. Our last one is talking about, and we talk about this, the black uh, yeah. maternal mortality. Mm -hmm. And this was written in MedPage today. Mm -hmm. And, you know, our friend, your friend, mm -hmm. Dr. Lolly, you know, mm -hmm. she... She um, it's a part of the whole mm -hmm. the whole initiative with mm -hmm. one of our physicians here, Dr. Rodney, Dr. Rodney Hill. Hill right. And they're talking about the black maternity mortality. And I thought this was important because it seems like lately we're hearing about moms. Unreal. Dying. What is that? I don't know. It's just unreal. It's strange. Very strange. It's strange. And so this one is talking about clinical instinct versus racism. ACOG speakers offer examples of biases. And that's the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, they call. ACOG offer examples of biases towards pregnant 
patients of color. And I was like, uh-oh, here, mm-hmm. here we go. But it says pregnant patients of color often receive different care and have different outcomes compared with white pregnant patients, a panel here um, said. And here's the thing, though. That happens whether you're pregnant or not. Exactly. That ba- Another health care disparity. Health care disparity. Yeah. yeah. A patient and a patient advocate shared their experiences in the healthcare system and how they thought race impacted those experiences at the Edith and, and Louise Potter Memorial Lecture at the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, ACOG, their annual meeting. Research presented elsewhere at ACOG showed that black women are three times as likely to die mm. during childbirth versus white women and that there is a disparity in treatments being offered based on race. Also, the guideline coordinate practices are higher for Caucasian women compared to African-American women. Indeed, research from ACOG, and this is written in MedPage today now, is Mm -hmm. saying from the opening session, they showed that when treating for hemorrhage, uh, Caucasian women, could have had different treatments about 9% of the time compared with 59% of the time for African-American women. Mm. Mm. At the lecture, Charles Johnson the fourth, whose wife died after giving birth to their second child via a scheduled C-section post-procedure, he said he noticed that Cara Johnson's catheter turning pink with blood shortly after 4 p.m. He said, despite his begging and pleading. Now, here's the deal. Why would you have to beg and plead when you got blood in your catheter? It's not supposed to be there. With the medical staff. Why are you doing that? To treat her, she was not taken into surgery until after midnight, where she had 3.5 liters of blood in her abdomen. Can you imagine what the doctor thought when he opened her up? Mm. Yeah. At no point. This is doing, awful. It's just it's an awful, awful story. Isn't it? No, at no point during the 10-hour stretch did the doctor's level of concern elevate mm-hmm. it, though. That's, they they mm-hmm. didn't elevate. Mm-hmm. And this is what he was saying. So what does that mean? That, but they weren't even disturbed about it. In fact, the doctor said, and, and he said, he told me before the surgery, it isn't a big deal. Sometimes mm. these things happen. Mm. She'll be back in 15 minutes. And that was the last time that he saw his wife alive. Mm. So we have Timora, uh-huh. Queen Saba, mm-hmm. also had a postpartum hemorrhage and needed emergency surgery to save her life. She detailed experiences of racism throughout her pregnancy, noting that she received different care when she had her husband there who was white. Uh huh, and when he wasn't with her, so she described the the experience as very degrading. And then they dogged her about was this the father or mm-hmm. was he with her and all this other stuff, right? She said the healthcare system has beaten people down so much, especially people of color, physicians. She's saying go back to the oath you took. It, it isn't. She said they don't do that. It's no harm unless you're black or brown. Mm-hmm. So all of this is saying that there is definitely a problem. Mm-hmm. And some of the reason, because we were asking, so why is it that it seems like more black women are dying through childbirth? And and this article is saying, you know, maybe it is due to biases for the physicians. Right. And Johnson said that he felt that racism 
impeded the doctor's ability to be an effective advocate for for his wife. Mm-hmm. Saying he was afraid of raising his voice Cause he for was himself, because be that's the first thing they'll look at is, uh, you know, the, the 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 disparities in how people look at you, like you know, somebody of another race raising a concern about mm-hmm. his wife, as opposed to a black man. Mm-hmm. Now he's seen as potentially violent, right? So he's got to think about all that and keep quiet. And the, the bias is within the nurses. And I'm, I see it still 2019. Mm. I still see it every day. You know, there are some people that can get away with being more aggressive and assertive. On, in another race, somebody of the same being the same aggressive or assertive, they're ready to call security. I mean, this article is right. And the sad thing about it is, I, if I can inject, is mm-hmm. Judge, uh, they're on trial. And I don't know if it's oh, over. Yes. Judge Glenda, yes. her son's wife died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. So here she is, a judge on television, you know, a, a, big, celebrity. a big celebrity. Her daughter-in-law doesn't get treated any better. They're on trial. I don't know whether it's over or not about that. Yeah, she, a beautiful girl, and died post having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, one of the, what I thought was interesting, that one of the moderators for this session when they were talking about it, mm-hmm. Dr. Neil Shaw of... Ariane Labs Labs in Boston said Mm -hmm. that while everyone is taught that being racist is bad, medicine also teaches doctors to profile people. There it is. Yeah. You know, if the patient is black, they've been taught to test for sickle cell anemia. Mm -hmm. But there's a thin line between what we celebrate as clinical intuition when it might just be racism. Let me interject one other there thing. You go. I mean, this is another one on my soapbox. Let's go back to when I was in training. Mm. African American women who came into the emergency room with abdominal pain, it was an assumption that they had an STD, pelvic inflammatory disease. So they were tested for gonorrhea and syphilis or chlamydia, which is just coming into its own, mostly gonorrhea, as opposed to Caucasian women who came in with abdominal pain. They looked more for ectopic pregnancies or for appendicitis and all of that. And so in, so in, early, in our early days of training, you know, because fortunately people started to talk about this disparity and how black women were treated when they came into the emergency room because several women had missed ectopic pregnancies and died because they were looking for, you know, gonorrhea and pelvic inflammatory disease. And, and, and they didn't have that. They had an ectopic pregnancy which ruptured and died. So they were huge. And I, I'm, I would like to think that things have gotten better. So if he's talking about this now. Then it hasn't. Then it hasn't. Because this is because exactly what happened. This is exactly what happened when I was in training in the 70s. Black women, particularly with what I'm talking about with this, were treated completely separate. And the doctors had those biases that black women were associated with diseases okay, and so white women were associated with ectopic pregnancies. So what does that mean? That, does that mean that everybody has to be trained to, to think everybody's white in well, order I, to get I, I fair? I think what is lacking, and I brought this up on numerous occasions where I'm, you know, I've been in, I'm involved with alumni situations and stuff, is that mm-hmm. you have to start before these students start seeing patients with mm-hmm. diversity and sensitivity training. Mm-hmm. Because by the time they get into medical school, the biases have already gotten it because they've heard it from the interns on the mm-hmm. floor and the nurses mm-hmm. and the this, that, and the other. And once your mind is already warped, it's going to continue to stay with you throughout your training. So that's why I have emphasized whenever I've had an opportunity, when they're talking about all these getting these curriculums together for these medical students and stuff, I want to see where is your diversity training curriculum. Yes. 
I want to see that because I personally know that if you don't do that, then all these biases now have been entrenched in their head and they just get keeping passed down, you know, and, and all the bad stuff when people come in the emergency room, the snickering and the laughing and the this, that and the other. You can't it's hard to change that once that has been entrenched. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to treat the black woman who comes in with the abdominal pain that she's got gonorrhea or syphilis or chlamydia or now HIV or some STD as opposed to looking for an appendix or an ectopic pregnancy. And I don't think, you know, and maybe those are out there that would say, well, you're just speaking anecdotally. And I may be, but it was more often than not. And I think history well, it, would bear it, me out that I'm right. Right. Well, we could just see now. Yeah. Well, look what's happening now. Where people die. Well, look what's happening now with childbirth. Yeah, right. that's so crazy. Things probably haven't changed no, that much. No, that's yeah. crazy. So it's it's still so it's 2019. I'm talking about when I was starting my residency in the mid 70s. You're talking 40 years, and they still doing ain't nothing changed. Yes, right, right. And so that's why we always advocate that we see more of us yeah, being yeah. physicians exactly. and, in the el- and in the healthcare. Exactly. You know, and, and But it happens sometimes even with us. If we right. don't get us because they get brainwashed. Yes. We get brainwashed because we right. want to belong. Right. We want to be a part of the group. Yes. You don't want to be seen as an outlier running to the thing and right. saying, well, they're treating this black woman bad. Right. But if you can now have the diversity training and figure out how to mm-hmm. not be so so that it would so that it would affect your career or whatever, mm-hmm. but be mindful of that this woman is being treated differently, mm-hmm. then you can maybe help the change that you want to see. Right. But here's the thing: as a diversity catalyst, oh, and that yes. has been my thing. Yes. It's very simple. It's very simple. You have to have training, and in that training, you teach, yes, we're different, but we still are the same. Exactly. Exactly. And no, we're not tolerating, we're accepting. Right. Because when you tolerate, you go from a different paradigm when you're tolerating Mm -hmm. something. Right. Because when you tolerate something, that's why I always say, you know, we got to stop saying, oh, let's have tolerance and no when you tolerate something that something got on your nerves (laughs) exactly or it's negative right right. so you have to accept and people are different their cultures are different and so that's why it's important for you to know at least a little bit about people's culture exactly and how it fits into what you're doing as a a healthcare professional. Exactly. And so that's why we were talking about when it comes to going into these different places in Africa, it's important that the folks going in there, they should know the culture. They have to know the culture. You can't run in there. You're white coming from France yeah. and you don't understand that your doctors without borders coming in and you, you, you know, your heart is in the right place, but you coming in trying to, d- d- you know, divide stuff and people's culture that has gone on for thousands of years, thousands their of respect years. for the dead right. and the way their families are and the grandparents and this, that, and the other, you just can't run up in there and say, well, I'm the doctor from doctors without borders and you need to be treated for, and we're going to take your grandmother who's dead in there on the bed and burn her. Right. Cremate her. Right. You can't do that. You can't do that. And so that's why it's important for all those folks that are trying to get things happening. You're right. And the team, when you build a team of team players or whatever you're doing, that you have to have someone on that team that is either from that culture or sitting at the table. 
Thank you. Sitting at the table. And that will eliminate a yeah. lot of problems. You got, I mean, that's why a lot of these ads have gone wrong, because there was nobody <laughs> sitting at the table when that Miss Butterworth and <laughs> and that the guy, the dancing, whatever. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out, well, there couldn't possibly have been a black person sitting at the desk. No. When that ad was made. Big time. So you have to have people that look like everybody and sitting so at the table. And so that's why we're going to say people got to have ethnic intelligence. That's great. Or yeah. culture yeah. intelligence. That's it. Yeah. That's that has, what we got to do. You know, do. we're not saying that you, you know, we know you're book smart. We know you're this, that, and the other. But that has nothing whatsoever to do with you understanding people's culture. Yes. Which is huge. Which is very huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had to do, you know, the big thing when Latinos started to come into this country more and they were finding that, you know, in the, especially in the hospitals, they were treating the people from El Salvador like they treated the people from Mexico, like they treated people yeah, from Colombia. Yeah, you can't do that. They're not the nah, same. you can't do that. Uh-uh. Uh -uh. They're not the same. Mm -mm. If I'm from El Salvador, my culture is different than from somebody from Colombia or mm -hmm. somebody from Mexico or somebody from Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. And they were lumping everybody just because they spoke Spanish into the same And you can't group. do that. And you can't do Cause that. Because the, the food is different. That's why I always say. Yes. You go by the food and the language. Exactly. If that's different, then that's a cultural exactly. difference. It's a cultural difference. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yes. So, well, shoot, we had some we, hot we topics. We preached today. <laughs> <laughs> we preached. We had some hot topics. We preached. Yes. Now, this is our show, D. So what kind of tips are you going to leave well, with us? Well, I do want to get back to that chronic kidney disease only because that's something that I see near and dear to me. And I'm glad that the articles are showing that you can at least, you're not telling them that don't exercise, but do what you can. And mm -hmm. that there is hope that there are, there's evidence to show that, you know, these patients with chronic kidney disease can do some exercising, mm -hmm. some meaningful exercise. Yes, and can, can yeah. have quality, more and quality, more quality of, life. of life. Right. Oh, yes. And as always, for more information, Go to our website, www.vikidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.